0: Hello and welcome to the Conducting Artistry podcast, where we talk about ideas, techniques and processes to elevate your conducting and empower your ensemble. My name's Ingrid Martin, and in this series, we're talking all about repertoire selection and programming. Today, in episode three, we're talking all about how to create balanced and contrasting programs for your ensemble that are going to make your rehearsals and your performances interesting for you, interesting for your players, and interesting for your audience as well. Not only that, it's going to create rehearsal and concert experiences that are educationally sound and engaging for everyone involved. Now, if you haven't already listened to the first two episodes in this series, I'd encourage you to go and download them and listen to them before listening to this one. The first is about setting musical goals and planning your musical calendar. And the second is about choosing music that is the right level of difficulty for your ensemble. And that's step number one before we start going to create contrasting programs. Let's jump into today's episode. So first, we should start by defining what we mean by balanced and contrasting programs. So obviously, a program that has contrast is going to have a mixture of different things in it, a mixture of styles, of tempos, of dynamics, of keys. And it's going to be, it's going to allow students to experience a broad range of different styles, techniques, compositional ideas, different compositional voices, and give them a really well-rounded experience and exposure in terms of the music. And that's obviously going to translate to our audiences as well, having a broad and diverse and therefore interesting set of music to listen to. When we talk about balance, we want to make sure that within the variety that we are covering all of the different things that we need to cover pedagogically, that we're hitting all of the bases and that we don't have too much of one thing or too little of one thing, which is going to end up with our ensemble having deficiencies in the way that they play or or areas of weakness, which we wanna avoid. We wanna create an ensemble that is well-rounded, that knows how to do all of the different things involved in playing their instrument and playing in the group. And we also wanna make sure that they're well-rounded in terms of their musical knowledge, their musical understanding. Now, before we jump into talking about the things we have to consider to create balanced and contrasting programs, I think it's really important that we come back to why we're doing this. Our job as musicians and as conductors is to transform other people through music. We have the great possibility and responsibility of being catalysts for change in the lives of our audience, our players and ourselves. To do this we need to engage our players and our audiences in the first place and the only way that we're going to do this is with Repertoire and choosing music that is balanced and contrasting. If we play music that is boring or that turns people off or that has nothing to say, nothing that people can connect with emotionally, then we really haven't done our job and our duty as musicians. So, as you're listening through the podcast today, keep in the back of your mind this role, this job, this duty that we have to move people through music that's why we're doing this and that's why we need to take on the responsibility of picking programs that are balanced and contrasting so how do we create balance and contrast in our concert programs well in episode one we talked about setting short medium and long-term goals for your ensemble And when we're talking about balance and contrast, we wanna make sure that that applies over all those different time periods as well, that we're getting variety on a short-term scale, like in one concert or in one rehearsal, that we're getting variety and contrast over a semester, that we're getting it over a whole year and even over the entire time that one student might be in your program. So if you're in a high school program, You know, what is the balance and variety and contrast of music that that student is going to play from ninth grade through to twelfth grade? Or if you take a community band, you know, how often are you going to repeat things or not repeat things, depending on what is the kind of average tenure of a player in your ensemble? Because it's all very well and good for us to plan music and say oh I've got great balance and contrast in my program this year but then you realize that over the four years that you have someone in your ensemble they're playing pieces by Frank Kelly every year or they're playing a whole lot of music by Gustav Holst over and over again and we have to try and find a balance between exposing students to this great repertoire and these great composers but also making sure that they get a breadth of exposure over that longer time period. We can even take that right down to a very short-term scale of is there balance in my rehearsal or did I just play all loud and fast pieces today? So you can see that this idea of balance is very central and a really important principle that we can apply to everything that we do right from macro long-term time period to micro short-term period and we're going to talk about this In future podcasts about rehearsal technique as well. So when we create a balanced concert we want to think of it like a well-balanced meal. We want it to be satisfying, nourishing, pleasurable and maybe a little bit challenging too. So if you go to a nice fancy restaurant you'll maybe order your appetizer and your entree and dessert and if you go to a really fancy restaurant you might even go to a degustation where there might be many courses and maybe in between there are some palate cleansers if you've had a really big heavy meal and maybe there's cheese afterwards and maybe there's matched drinks to go with your meal. If you choose all heavy things when you go out for your special fancy dinner, then you're going to feel weighed down and you might not actually have any room for the dessert, heaven forbid. But if you choose all really light things, then you might leave unsatisfied and feel like you didn't really get your money's worth. So a really great meal has a wide variety of amazing tastes and smells and sights, and you feel really satisfied afterwards. And that's what we want to create musically and educationally for our players and our audiences. So if you ever get stuck about Am I creating something that's balanced and has enough variety? Think back to that idea of a good meal. If this was a good meal, would I feel good at the end of it? And just a side note, if you have not seen the Netflix series Chef's Table, I would really recommend that you go and watch that. Even if you're not a foodie, the ideas that that has given me about what we do as conductors when we present a performance related to how these chefs present a meal or a dining experience has been really fascinating. So jump on Chef's Table if you haven't already. So what are all the different elements that we have to find, balance and contrast and variety in? Well, we have a downloadable checklist on the website. So make sure that you visit the show notes so that you can check your repertoire choices against the list. We're just going to go down one by one. So first of all, is there contrast in the style and genre of the pieces that you're playing, whether it's short term to rehearsal or long time across the entire journey of your program? Some examples of different genres might be, you know, I have a march and do I have a lyrical work in my program? Do I have an overture? Do I have multi-movement pieces? Do I have an opening work? There are many different styles and we want to make sure that we're not all playing just one style or genre of piece. Duration. Is there a mixture of long and short duration pieces? They don't all have to be short or all long, but we need to have a little bit of a mix. Maybe there are some multi-movement works and depending on the piece, maybe sometimes you're going to extract just one movement or a couple of movements from a bigger work because of time constraints, or because of what is appropriate for your ensemble. But is there a contrast of durations? That's particularly important for player stamina, and also important for audience stamina. So if we have pieces that are all really long, that can be very difficult for particularly young players. Or if we have pieces that are all really long, that's also challenging for audiences. On the other hand, though, um, obviously, when we're working with beginner players, all of the pieces are going to be very short. But once we move beyond that, if we've got pieces that are all just one or two minutes and you're playing six or seven two-minute pieces, that can also be tiring for the audience and actually challenging for the ensemble because of how many times they have to switch up their thinking. Tempo. Does your program have a variety of different tempos that you are getting the students to play. Um, many a time I have adjudicated a festival and heard an ensemble play a set of pieces that are all fast. So all coordinate equals 120 or above. And that is really tiring to listen to as an adjudicator and also really tiring to listen to as an audience member because everything sounds the same. There's no opportunity for you to relax and it's the same for the students. It doesn't happen nearly as often, but I've also been to a couple of performances where all of the pieces have been slow and lyrical. Now, even if you're the most uh, in love person with Eric Whittaker or you know Morton Lauritsen and as much as you might want to just conduct all of that music and think it's the best music in the world, if you play a whole concert of that music, that's like having that really rich meal. It's going to actually weigh the audience down and ultimately you're going to lose the beauty of those pieces when they're all played back to back one after the other. Key. Does your program have a variety of keys in it? Now obviously for younger players who are still working through the ranges of their instruments and what they can do we're going to be a little limited in what we can do key wise but at the same time if your ensemble can play B flat major or F major then they can play G minor and D minor. It's really unsatisfying to sit through a performance that is just all of major keys. It's something that is lacking depth about that. As well as just wondering if you have major and minor keys covered in your program you should also seek out works that are in different modes. So again you have the opportunity to teach your ensemble about what modes are And how they can learn how to play the different modes and expand their palette of what they are technically capable on their instrument. Historical periods. Do you have music that reflects a wide range of historical periods in music? Now, there are all sorts of varying uh, opinions about whether we should play transcriptions or not. And whether we should play simplified versions of older or bigger pieces. And there are certainly good versions of that music and not so great versions of that music out there in terms of arrangements. But I think it's really important that we expose students to music from a wide variety of time periods. You know, do you have music that includes? maybe Renaissance melodies or some Susato. They're certainly fantastic arrangements, even for very young band, particularly those published by Manhattan Beach. Do you have romantic music in there or is it all music that has been written in the last five years? Making sure that you have that variety of historical periods because that's going to dictate you teaching the students through the music about music history and the origins of what we do and where our music has come from. So next up, we have form. Does your music have different formal structures in it? Now, again, just like sitting as an adjudicator or an audience member and tearing my hair out, listening to people play music that is just all fast. It is so frustrating to hear a group get up on stage and play three pieces that have this formulaic structure of introduction ABA coda. There is so much trash band music out there that is just kind of cut and paste the same structure. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that structure. But if that's all that you expose your students to, they're not going to know how to understand or interpret a theme in variations or how a sonata form works or how a musical idea is developed by a composer. So we've talked about form. Let's move on to volume. We need to make sure that our programs have a wide variety of volumes and dynamics that we play at. Again, it's really common to hear ensembles play music that is just all loud. Or when it comes to string ensembles, play music that is just all kind of medium. And um, there are particularly a lot of young band works being written at the moment that really put an emphasis on that forte to fortissimo uh, end of the dynamic spectrum. And that's really tiring for the students to play. And again, tiring for audiences. It gets very tired very quickly. So you wanna make sure that across your concert program and across your semester and across your year that you're playing music that is gonna teach your ensemble how to play quietly as well as play strongly. The all loud problem is much more prevalent than the all quiet. I am yet to hear an ensemble that has played a program of just quiet music Although maybe that would be really good for skill development because goodness knows uh, as band conductors, we really need to work on helping our ensembles work on the quiet end of their playing. The other thing that I think it's really important to mention here is the hearing health of our ensembles and the hearing health of ourselves as conductors. It's really easy for us to be overexposed to sound in the course of our day and the same for our students. So looking at the contrasting dynamics that are in our programs is really important from an occupational health and safety point of view. It's part of our duty of care as teachers to make sure that our students are being exposed only to healthy levels of noise. So particularly when you're looking at a micro level on what pieces you are playing in terms of variety and contrast in your rehearsal it's really important to make sure that your students are getting to play some quiet music if only so that it's a rest for their ears and that we are giving their ears the chance to recover and the more frequent that your rehearsals are the more that you need to take this into consideration On a side note, if you are worried about the hearing health of your students, there are plenty of resources available online to find out more. You can head on to the show notes that will give you a starting point for some resources on hearing health. And we'll cover this topic in more depth on the Conducting Artistry blog. Does your program have technical variety? Now that's probably going to be covered by lots of the other musical elements that we've talked about But making sure that you're getting your students to play a variety of rhythms, of uh, time signatures, of uh, we've talked about key signatures, um, patterns. You know, are they learning how to play chromatically? Are they learning how to play different chords in terms of uh, harmonic structures? is there a variety of technical skills that the program is asking them to play or is it just all 2 five, one major chords over and over again or are the tuba players just always playing 5-1 bass notes because that's um, again going to lead to any and all of those eight problems that we talked about due to repertoire choice. Does the music have a variety of emotional content? Now, if we go back to our why at the beginning of today's episode of why we do all of this and why this is important, it's because we're trying to move people. We're trying to give people an emotional experience through music. And so we need to give our ensembles the opportunity to play music that expresses a really wide palette of emotions You know, do you have music that is dark and brooding music that is tempered by music that is uplifting? You know, pensive music, melancholy music. You know, music can be wistful. It can be assertive. It can be aggressive. All of those things are great. We just want to make sure that we have a variety of things. I have been to concerts where... The music is all so dark and serious that you leave feeling kind of depressed. And maybe that's an artistic choice. That's certainly something that you could do on purpose, but it's certainly not something that you would want to do accidentally. So thinking about what is the emotional content of the program. We're going to talk about that more in our next episode when we talk about creating a journey in a concert. One tool that you can use as a resource to check if your concert does have a wide variety of emotions that it's expressing is to use something called the feeling wheel or the mood wheel. There's a link to a copy of the feeling wheel on the show notes for today's episode and it basically shows you an entire spectrum of different emotions and they're divided up into different sections across the wheel with related emotions obviously being together and this can be a really great tool for just mapping out and having a look what quadrants or what areas of the wheel are my pieces falling in to see uh, am I getting that balance and that contrast of emotional content across the program and finally related to this idea of emotional content is the narrative content or the story and the drama behind the music so this is obviously more the case if you're playing program music versus absolute music but you know, if the music has a story, let's make sure that we're telling a variety of different stories and let's not just play, for example, a whole program of tributes to people that have passed away. There's a lot of music that is really great that has been written for that purpose, but you know, and a concert that was all of that music would be really depressing. So maybe if you want to play those pieces, you're going to space those out over a longer period of time. Okay, so we've talked about how we have to balance style, duration, tempo, key, historical period, form, volume, technique, emotional content, and narrative content in order to create a program that has variety, is interesting, is balanced, and is gonna leave everyone feeling satisfied when they walk out of the concert or out of your rehearsal. The final thing to consider when putting together a program that is balanced and contrasting is to go back to the 80 20 rule that we talked about last episode so as well as taking into consideration all of those musical elements that we've just discussed this also needs to come under the umbrella of making sure that you have that right balance of difficulty for your ensemble So there are a lot of things to consider if we want to put together a program that's going to be educationally sound, engaging and interesting for the audience, engaging and interesting for the players, and also engaging and interesting for us as conductors. Now you might be wondering, okay, I know all of these things that I need to think about when putting together my program, but how do I actually go about it? There's lots of different places that you can start. And often one is that you might begin with a particular piece that is maybe meeting some particular educational goals or needs for your ensemble, and then begin by finding other pieces that are going to complement that particular work. One year, I found an amazing piece by Australian composer Jodie Blackshaw called Solstrom, which is a really dark, deep piece. It was about 15 minutes, and we were playing it for a festival that only had a 15 minute time limit so I knew we were going to only play that one piece in that festival but at the same time we were also preparing for our end of year concert and I wanted to make sure that the students had something else to play that was going to be very different to that really dark introverted introspective piece and so the antidote if you will to that piece was Eric Whitaker's Godzilla Eats Las Vegas so we had a piece that was Very flashy and exciting and fun and lots of effects for the students to do. Very different technical demands than the Blackshaw work, which was very lyrical, had a lot of uh, kind of tonal interest to it and diversity and soundscapes and free playing and extended techniques. So these two pieces really complemented each other and it meant that our rehearsals were also Balanced, we weren't ever getting too deep into the really serious music, and we also weren't getting uh, overwhelmed by the saccharine sweetness and uh, fun tongue in cheekness of the Eric Whittaker piece. Another starting point for you might be, okay, I know that I want to perform a particular style of piece in one concert. Maybe you have looked at your program for the whole year and know that you haven't yet covered that particular style. Maybe, for example, it's a suite with multiple movements. Starting with that piece Then you're going to be looking at, okay, what are other genres, other contrasting styles that I can pair with that piece, bearing in mind the duration of time that we have to play and other events that might be going on if this is a program that's going to go over more than one performance. And then checking through all of those other musical elements that we've talked about. Well, the suite probably in itself is going to have contrasting tempi dynamics Uh, technical challenges contrasting keys so then looking beyond that piece what are the things that you still have not met in your contrast and variety within your program if you had picked that multi-movement suite then one thing that might not be covered just within that one piece even though it's got multiple movements would be making sure that multiple historical periods or styles were covered so Let's say, for example, you were playing the first suite in E flat, classic choice, then you're probably going to want to balance that with something more modern and fresh sounding. Or you could even go the other way and say, I'm going to go and play something that's really old, that's in that Renaissance style or takes music from uh, earlier style of music. If you head on over to the show notes at conductingartistry.com forward slash podcast, you'll see that we've got on there a whole range of different examples of balanced programs, but also some unbalanced programs, because it's really important, I think, for all of us that we see not just examples of good work, but also examples of things that don't work, because that can be just as useful to us learning and growing as conductors and teachers. We've got two action steps to take on after today's podcast. The first is to start with one piece that you have on your list that you would like to do with one of the ensembles you're working with currently. Have a look at that piece and see what categories that piece fits into. What are the particular musical elements that define that piece? And then using perhaps our balance program checklist that you'll find on the website, Go down and see if you can now find two pieces that would work well with that piece that are going to create balance and contrast. If it was a three piece program, you might want to go more than that. That's fantastic. But a really great starting point is just to practice with that one piece, what would be complementary and covering lots of bases for my ensemble. And remember, as always, keeping it interesting and engaging for our audience. And the second and final action step for today is to go and listen to two pieces for your ensemble type that you have never heard before. One of the things that is really important and crucial in creating variety in our programs is we obviously have to expand our knowledge of the repertoire. And I personally am constantly on the lookout and actively trying to find new pieces that I don't know about. So today or this week, Jump online and find not just two pieces that you don't know, but go really way out and find two composers that you don't know, because that's what is really going to start to bring variety and interest to your own personal knowledge of the repertoire. I hope that you found today's episode of the Conducting Artistry podcast valuable. If you have, we'd love for you to share this with two of your musical colleagues who you think would also benefit from learning more about repertoire and programming. Our next episode in the series is going to be all about creating the concert experience and the concert journey. So we hope that you'll join us then. In the meantime, Head on over to ConductingArtistry.com and check out our blog and our show notes at ConductingArtistry.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, make sure to sign up for our mailing list so you can get all the info on new episodes and our free resources. Until then, have a great rehearsal and make great music.